go. A special hello goes out to Director Media for the Boston Bruins alumni, Mr. Mark Boyan. Nice to see you, Marky. Welcome to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast, the home of behind-the-scenes interviews, stories, and memories that celebrate the heritage of the great game of hockey. The Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast is hosted by Mark Willand. From the St. Louis Blues, number 10, right-winger Wayne Babbitt. The skate of Bullard. There's a shot by Babbitt and a save by Millen. Rebound play by Stackhouse. Checked by Klassen. Babbage has the puck. Sends it into the corner to Dunlop. Back pass to Brownscheidel. He gives it to Kia. Kia the drive. Score! A deflection in front by Wayne Babbage. And the Blues have quickly regained the lead. 3-2. Eddie Kia getting that puck at the blue line. Letting it go. And Wayne Babbage, a 50-plus score on the National Hockey League season for the St. Louis Blues, comes drifting in across in front of Greg Millen. And deflex it. Here you see the shot by Eddie This is episode 38 of the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast. With the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup, what a better time to talk with Blues legend Wayne Babich, the first 50-goal scorer in franchise history. A great shooter who could mix it up with anyone, Wayne was drafted third overall by the Blues in 1978. As a rookie in 1978-79, he scored 27 goals in 69 games, playing right wing on the Blues' kid line with Bernie Federko and Brian Sutter as he finished third in the Rookie of the Year voting. After 26 goals in just 59 games the next season, Wayne hit his stride in 1980-81 as the upstart Blues battled for the top overall record in the NHL. Coach Red Berenson paired Wayne with center Blake Dunlop and left wing Jurgen Pedersen and Wayne responded with 54 goals a league-leading 40 of which were even strength, and he played in the 1981 NHL All-Star Game. The following preseason, however, Wayne suffered a severe shoulder injury that would hamper him for the rest of his career. After three more solid seasons in St. Louis, Wayne joined the Pittsburgh Penguins in 1984 and had the distinction of being Mario Lemieux's first regular right wing. Wayne eventually landed in Hartford, where he and his brother Dave to help the Whalers to their unlikely 1986 playoff run. In retirement, Wayne and Dave Babich have committed much of their time to helping a variety of worthwhile causes and positively impacting lives around the world. Now, let's talk classic hockey with Wayne Babich. We're back on the show, and we have one of the great St. Louis Blues legends of all time, the first uh, St. Louis Blues player to ever top the 50-goal mark, Wayne Babich. Wayne, thanks so much for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me. It's, uh, also, we want to note, as we're taping this, it is uh, Wayne's birthday. He still looks like he could lace him up and, uh, and get out there and play in the NHL, but we're glad he's spending some of his uh, big day here with us. Yeah. It'll be very short shifts. <laughs> <laughs> well, for sure. But, I, I, you know, when I look back, uh, it's very difficult, as you know, to make make it a National Hockey League to play in the NHL. And in your family, you had two outstanding players, uh, yourself and your brother Dave. What was gone there, going on there in the hockey community and the Babbage household that basically helped groom two NHL hockey players? 
what well, started the love of sports, uh, you know, uh, my dad, uh, was a sports minded uh, guy. He was drafted to the old Washington senators, uh, in baseball mm-hmm. in 19, I think it was 1951. If I remember correctly, early fifties anyway. And, uh, because of the family situation, he didn't go, but, uh, with that, it, you know, embedded in him and you know, we got involved. I was actually a better ball player than a hockey player. I, I was, drafted in a long time ago in a major house offered a lot of contracts but the money wasn't the same as hockey in those days right uh we're talking pocket change kind of thing but anyway it's very rare that the canadian ball played out when i was talking to ferguson jenkins he he told me what he was getting paid and i guess i was offered a pretty good contract but mm-hmm. hockey and being you know i was going to be sort of the number one you know top three guys that and the money was a little bit better in those days, and so I ch- obviously I chose hockey, which I mean I I loved the game. Uh, you know, in reference to Dave and I, well, I think <clears throat> it happened with Dave. Uh, you know, he was always in the third line; I was always in the first line. He always played. Uh, he was a little bit younger. Uh, he looks older, but he's a little bit younger. <laughs> uh, but he always kind of played in the same teams because you know there wasn't that many. There was kids, but it kind of grouped certain kids together and they did have the talent to play uh, at a little higher level but didn't get very many shifts but anyway, it all happened almost like one thing in, in reference to his training where he uh, talked back to my one one time my, to my mom one time and I flattened him and, and I think he's around 13 and I and I think ever since then he started training mm-hmm. and he wanted to get he wanted he'll do anything to be better than me um, you know, defense don't do much, as you know. <laughs> so that's why he lasted 20 years, and I only lasted 10. Well, someone finally caught up to me and hurt me real bad. So I'd say, I got Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I was just about to sign a four-year contract. And I didn't, you know, it wasn't, it was close to it. And then I got two-handed, and the next thing you know, my career is over. But, uh, but you know, I, I mean, I, I love the game. I, I, you know, in reference to talking about St. Louis, the team that drafted me, it was just like family. You know, I... I Guys like Barkley Plager was like almost like my second dad. He he showed me the way when he was the coach when I first got into St. Louis and with mm-hmm. Amy Francis. And, I mean, he's you know I just loved being there. I had so many injuries, but it was a sort of a different formula in those days. They never talked too much about injuries, and obviously after my 50 goal season, I ripped my rotator cuff apart. And in those days, they didn't do surgery because it was you know that was a baseball surgery, so anything above your shoulder right. was uh, kind of I didn't do anything about the shoulder just uh, so they decided to put me in a kind of body wrap and that's how I played and it definitely affected my shot and everything but I, I mean just the, the love of the game and I wanted to be part of that that group that you know we had some pretty good years there but you know unfortunately things weren't going well and I was hoping they'd get something for me to you know I thought maybe a change or I'd never get a chance to play with my brother before I because I sort of saw the ending days because, like I say, I wasn't the same player because of these injuries. And mm-hmm. I just thought maybe I'd get a chance to play with my brother Dave, but, which I did eventually. Then, But, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I, you know, in reference to Dave, well, uh, again, as he would say, the, the you know, the defense have all the brains, the forwards half a brain and the goal is no brain. Anyway, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I had the uh, I had the uh, 
pleasure to enjoy Dave's humor. I was with the Whalers organization uh, for for six years, and uh, had the the pleasure of uh, of working with him and and yourself as well. And for the brief, relatively brief time you were there, but uh, Wayne, taking it back to uh, Edmonton as a kid, and we talked a little bit about this at the Whalers reunion last year, but. You were real young. You were just a kid, I think 15, 16 years old, when you started to play junior hockey for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, how, did right. that all, how did that all transpire? It had to be, a, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a son who's 15 years old. Um, I can't picture him playing, especially back in those days. So, well, you know, it's rough, it's tough, a lot of tough guys, 18, 19 years old. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, how that all transpired. Well, I mean, I can't remember how talented I, I, I don't, I, I can't remember. I know I was fast. I, you know, I was, I think when I was 14, I think I was 190 pounds already, but mm-hmm. I don't, I wasn't and and I was a small player also. But when I tried out, when I was 14, when I tried out the Edmonton All Kings, they, their farm team was called the Edmonton Mets. Uh, and, uh, it's still junior hockey in the Alberta junior hockey league. And, uh, I think they believed that I had the talent to be with the Oil Kings, but they, because of the game was so violent, you know, violent being, you know, fighting almost every day and, you know, the bench brawls were, mm-hmm. you know, they were every second day. And <laughs> right. So they didn't know how I'd be able to do that with, with you know, with guys 18, 19, 20 year olds uh, compared to me. And so we were playing a, a, a game in Edmonton, back to back games against this real rough team in Southern Alberta. And they had so, so-called the toughest guy in the league. And uh, the Saturday night, we did have an all-out brawl. Uh, I was one of the last guys to get on the ice, so I just grabbed somebody. And uh, everybody else is fighting. And, and to the other team, the referees grabbed this tough guy so he wouldn't start, you know, mm-hmm. cause a riot, I guess. Well, Sunday, you couldn't find a seat in Edmonton. Uh, <laughs> everybody's expecting the big, big <laughs> And for some reason... One of the first shifts, this guy decided to pick on me. Well, I never fought before. <laughs> oh, really? And I think the the, the for me it was I was fighting for my life. I wasn't just mm-hmm. fighting another hockey fight. And uh, I, I guess I just beat the living kahoola out of this guy. Well, a guy named Wayne Myers, our head scout for Edmonton. The next day, I was up at the Edmonton All Kings. <laughs> so right. I kind of answered the question of being, you know. Uh, that I could take care of the, myself in reference to that part of the game. And, uh, you know, uh, that was sort of like the, the big thing. Like, again, they, they knew I could score a few goals. Uh, you know, I was a, I guess I was sort of like an, what they told me all the time. I was kind of like an NHL player up and down. I'd watch my guy and, mm-hmm. you know, if I had a chance to, to shoot and score, you know, I, I did that. And, uh, you know, I wasn't a flashy player by no means. Uh, I was just kind of, up and down guy and you were also and, uh, yeah. physically you always had that strong upper body um, you know strong shoulders strong arms uh, I'm assuming that came to you naturally maybe some farm work uh, but back that was pre that was pre <laughs> pre, pre uh, weightlifting and everything wasn't really in vogue back then but uh, but you were always like a you always seemed to be a, a very physically imposing guy you weren't you know huge but you always yeah. seemed like you were very, extremely strong well that that, yeah, that we were kind of part-time farms. We had the farm, and Friday night we'd go to the farm until Sunday, been you know, until it got dark, and we were back, and all summer, and we we're from picking rocks, you know, uh, 
I'll tell a little story about that. And then hauling bales, you know, the spring, the spring bales uh, to the fall bales, the two cuts, and then back to picking rocks in between. And, you know, we, this community, the farm was about nine miles uh, to a place called Two Hills. So I would jump on my 10 speed and go there and back in the mornings and do it again in the evening and probably do a couple thousand push-ups and, and sit-ups a day. Uh, you know, we didn't have the facilities, you know, like the gyms now where, you know, you have everything to work on every part of your body. So right. we would do sort of, we grabbed two, maybe for just a better described as like a five pound rocks. We do some flies, a couple of punches and then throw the rocks uh, on the cart or in the bush <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, go to the next exercise. And uh, the only thing I remember is kind of that was more than anything was that there's a little blue boot weed where we'd add weights to it to do our leg, uh, you know, leg weights and, you know, couldn't do enough of those. And I, I think one of my, me personally, one of my assets was, was my speed. Um, and, you know, until they start chopping on my knees. But, uh, you know, I, was, I could get, you know, I was a kind of hit-and-run kind of person. I'd get, <laughs> hit somebody and get the heck out of there before they could grab me kind of thing. I wasn't a dirty player. I just, I, I loved hitting. Uh, you know, that was one one thing I loved doing. Um, the thing is, my speed helped me after that, after I hit. Uh, but, you know, as my, you know, I think my second year I had a cartilage problem and, and then, you know, certain knee problems. Uh, and what ended my career, obviously, was my total reconstruction of my right knee. But as Edmonton moves, you become the Portland Winter Winterhawks, and you yourself are progressing. You have two consecutive 50 goal seasons. Your team is absolutely loaded with future pros: Brent Peterson, Paul Mulvey, Keith Brown, Perry Turnbull, uh, Larry Playfair. Uh, a lot of guys who, who go on to play in the National Hockey League. But one thing about that team, and when you look at it, a lot of talented kids, uh, yourself, you're leading the team in scoring by a wide margin, but including yourself, let's say that last year, Junior, had 218 penalty minutes. Um, you had a ton of guys, like Larry Playfair had 402. You had Perry Turnbull with 318 penalty minutes. Yeah, but talk a little bit about the, the rough and tumble ways of that team and the league in general. Well, that's just the way they played hockey. It was, it was, a, it was a, you know, uh, it was, well, I think one of the first things that they, you know, if you're a good player, but how you can mentally and physically handle the uh, the violence of the game. Like, just like you try any any means to outdo your opponent, whether it's a verbal intimidation to, then if after that doesn't, if that doesn't work, then you go into the physical intimidation. Um you know, there's certain guys that do those things. And I think those certain guys that were kind of, that was their job is to physically damage people. Uh, I think every team had a couple guys like that. The guys in the, you know, the scoring guys, uh, like for me, I mean, I, 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 I enjoyed, if you wanted to get physical, I, I would, I'd be there for you to dance, I guess for a better word. But, you know, it wasn't, I didn't, I'd be there, but I didn't, that wasn't my game. I, uh, you know, I, I love scoring and I, you know, I play with some great uh, talented people, you know, like being one being Brett Peterson, a great sentiment. Uh, I remember one time in Portland, we scored, I scored three goals in 25 seconds. Wow. Like, and, and a couple seconds later, about five seconds later, I hit the crossbar. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was one of my, 
favorite shifts I ever had. That's almost <laughs> but, uh, that's almost physically impossible to do uh, from a centerized faceoff to score three goals in twenty five seconds. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it, you know obviously the, the, I think the, you know the play started and then yeah, like I think I scored I scored two in five seconds. Like after I scored the first one, we went to center ice and Brent. We had a little play where he push it, try to get it ahead of the, through the centerman, and I would grab it. But, and no one picked me up, and I was able to let a shot me up right away and caught the goalie off guard. And so <laughs> <laughs> great, I'm, I'm glad he was sleeping. And then uh, again, he, he won the draw. I grabbed it, went around the defense, gave it back to Brent, and he gave it right back to me, and I scored again. And I said, said, got a hat trick. Wow, a hat trick. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Yeah. Ken Hodge kept us out there. He says, I mean, we're, you guys only been out there for like right. 40 seconds. And <laughs> we tried, we did the same move. And I, again, I, I thought I was passing for him to take the shot because I appreciate what he just did. And then he came right back to me and I hit the crossbar. So mm-hmm. that would have been a great, you know, that would have been even <laughs> yeah. better. But, you know, but, you know I, I played with some good players and we had a team in Portland that, you know, that was our game. We had, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we had the biggest team in hockey, including NHL. Mm-hmm. I think we were bigger than Atlanta at the time. That's, I mean, I just to hear say what you know, we right. were told. Yeah, I was one of the smaller guys, Brett and I. You know, it was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, but you know, unfortunately, when we got to the playoffs, like we had a good team, but we were hurt. I know I was playing with a broken hand with uh, all like, I think I had 44 goals at Christmas and. I got exactly, I think I scored six goals in the last two games. Uh, uh, you know, I was shooting bullets, but I didn't know where they were going. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, you know, tried to do other things. Well, certainly, uh, uh, you know, you're, as as you noted, you hit the 50-goal mark two years in a row. You're getting a lot of attention from NHL scouts. Uh, when did you, I'm assuming you always wanted to play in the National Hockey League, but when did you uh, get the feeling like you were going to be a high draft choice in the NHL? Well, you know, in those days, press wasn't, you know, that, you know, what it's not even close to what it is today. I, it's only my general, uh, my general manager, Brian Shaw, that kept telling me that, you know, and the agents, uh, when I was, after my 18th year there, like, you know, when I was 18, the guy, you know, the going to see Alan Eagleson and Bill Waters and, you know, all these agents around the country and, uh, I guess the year before also, though, I, I visited uh, Quebec Nordiques. They wanted to sign me as an underage and sign me to like a five-year car. Oh, ah, very car interesting. Yeah, of course, of course. So the WHA uh-huh. is looming. Yeah. And uh, what was your approach to that? I mean, you had an opportunity to to go to Quebec? Well, I mean, I I, I, I went there. I was, you know, I was interested, you know, um, you know obviously it was, a, it was a great franchise. I actually ended up playing in Quebec for right. part of the season. Uh, later on, but what a great town, great people. Um, you know, they were in the World Hockey Association. Mm-hmm. They were going through that, uh, you know, the break. They wanted to separate from Canada. Uh, they're also the highest uh, tax place in Canada for tax-wise. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it was uh, it was a tough decision, but, I mean, deep down inside, I always wanted to play in the NHL. Uh, there was talk that maybe one day that the World Hockey League would join the NHL, but it wasn't uh, in stone at that time. And I know the Edmonton Oilers did the same thing to me. They wanted to sign me, and Mr. Pockington was—I was, was going to be the highest-paid player. This is before Gretzky, uh, right. you know, a million dollars a year, but most of it was all property. Uh, 
so my agent wanted to, I was asking a little more cash from uh, Glenn Sather and you know they, they they you know obviously whatever their budget was it didn't turn out that way but and then sure enough well right after that you know like I say my general manager he continued saying that you're going to be one of the top picks if not the top pick and uh, you know there was a pretty good uh, crew there you know Bobby Smith and Ryan Walters were sort of the guys that I was was uh, was, was talked about uh, in that draft and one day we're I'm going to you know to Minnesota the next day I'm going to like Vancouver was trying to make a trade for me to you know, they had fourth pick I believe uh, but Emil Francis was not letting me get back at right. past number three and so it's kind of like a you know a hit and miss there but it was I mean it was it was, uh, it was really flattering that you know like you're, you know how they compare but, but again the press like today a player would know a lot more today than we had probably heard about like one percent in those days but it was flying here you know the scouts were there talking to me and uh, again Brian kept you know, telling me I was going to be one of the top picks and it was, it was exciting to uh, to know that and uh, I was uh, yeah I was uh, just kept doing what I did and uh, you know uh, you know all I wanted to do more, my train of thought was I wanted to take care of my family. That right. did so much for me, as you know, through my whole uh, life uh, since then. And you know, that's all he kind of thought about his family. And so it was, uh, you know, to make them proud of. And um, that's kind of the way I, you know, as I, it, it was embedded in me when I went to St. Louis. I, you know, you know, and again, the only only way mom and dad would hear or my twin I have a twin sister or my brother mm-hmm. would hear about me if I scored a goal or got an assist or, right. <laughs> you know, or got a two minute penalty or five minute penalty they would right. see the box scores so. <laughs> yeah different times for sure you quickly you're so as you noted you're number three overall a uh, great choice by the cat or a good friend and um, so the blues at that time however had just come out of some severe financial problems and the year before they were unable to sign Scott Campbell who was number one. So the team had been struggling a little bit as you noted uh, Barkley Plager, uh, legendary blues players there as coach, Cat is is the GM. Talk a little bit about coming into your first uh, NHL training camp Wayne. What was it like uh, uh, the differences between junior and pro and getting into that first camp with a lot of veteran players there? Well, I was uh, I was scared. I went into the uh, with the attitude I wanted to make that team, um, you know. And they obviously you're talking to Amo and, and Barkley. Uh, they wanted me to make it too, uh, you know. And obviously for a lot of reasons in their scouting program, uh, I came into the best shape I've ever been in. Um, I remember, you know. As funny as it sounds, I was always afraid of the initiation that I was going to get. Oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes, and, and it, it played a big part because uh, I think I was in the top. You know, I was the top, one of the top scores for the first uh, couple months in points. Or mm-hmm. I was always up there, and I remember the veterans saying, "If whenever you stop scoring, it's it's going to be time." <laughs> <laughs> so that was a very big motivation. Well, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was kind of funny after I broke a couple of my, you know, after I broke a couple of ankles, and uh, <laughs> right. that's when they got me finally. <laughs> but that was, I can tell you about that later. But anyway, um, you know, the it was, you know, I think, you know, 
it was a very physical game, you know, coming to training camp two a days. And I remember my first hit was against a guy named Steve DeBattle. You know, oh, he boy. was a right. very aggressive guy. He hit me, but I stood him up. Like, I, I, one thing about me, I, which, you know, over the course of years, and I think even, well, my brother, obviously, uh, his story, he's a very hard man to knock over. My dad kind of, you know, don't take pride in not getting knocked out. If you get, if you get knocked out, get back right away. And, and you know, over the course of time, your your my balance was. I, I thought that was one of my strengths, and and, and it also helped me in, in reference to the uh, to dancing with people out there. <laughs> you know, you oh, know, yeah. didn't want to fall. You know, you know, but you had, and plus, you know, the game was clutch and grab. There was a lot of grabbing, stick work, and stuff. So the the best place to be is beyond your feet, and um, and and uh, so when he hit me, we both <laughs> went back, and it was like. I was so happy I was still standing, but I was hurting, but kept on going. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, I, uh, and when we, uh, you know, a guy named Harold snaps, yeah, I played with him in, in, in Edmonton. He's the old kid. He obviously he was in Vancouver, but he always told me, uh, you know, you're here for a reason. They picked you for a reason, play your game. And, you know, and what, what he also said, don't respect anybody in reference to them until they prove that they deserved your, you know, you know like mm-hmm. he said, don't let a guy verbally intimidate you, I guess. And then you you get scared of him. Like make him prove that you should be scared of him, or make him prove that he's a better. You know, like just don't give them an edge. Like battle with them and see what happens. And uh, you could come out the you know the better end. You know, and that's what I kind of tell kids to to, to today. Like uh, it's kind of like a positive thinking. Like don't let people dictate what you want to be and mm-hmm. uh, you, you do the best you can can and that's sort of how I went to training camp I, I said I'm making this team and whether you shave me or not like me now is obviously <laughs> out loud but <laughs> I, I want to you know and I, like again it goes back to you know I want my parents to be proud that you know all the work that we've all done to do this and you know my brother was right behind me and as well that's sort of the motivation that I had you know obviously it wasn't the money <laughs> And you had a, you got off to a great start in that first year. You're among the finalists for the uh, rookie of the year. You fit right in. Uh, do you remember uh, your first goal, Wayne? Well, I think it was a tip and uh, it was in bank. If I'm not mistaken, it was in Vancouver. I got, I think I got a sister too in Detroit. That was my, in the old, the old arena there, the Olympia, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. That was exciting, to just the atmosphere in that building. And then I think we went off to Vancouver, and I got a goal and a, a assist or something like that there. That's going back a little ways. But I think it was in Vancouver. Um, I'd like to say it was a blistering shot. Like, <laughs> I remember my 50th goal, but I don't remember. My first goal, I think it was a deflection off my butt or something on my shaft or my stick. <laughs> well, you know, like. It was I, exciting, you know, I mean, I, I, I just can't. Like yeah, I always say, it, if it's not on film, then as far as we're concerned, you went end to end and went top shelf to. Uh, I think so. I did the first one. Behind my legs, top shelf. I was going around in that. <laughs> so, you're off. Like I said, you have your your first two years. You play very very well. Obviously, uh, worthy of uh, the first round selection. You get paired. Uh, Barkley Plager has you with a couple of other real good young players as well on the kid line. Bernie Federico 
and Brian Sutter. Um, talk a little right. bit about the the chemistry uh, that that you three had. I mean, Brian obviously was going to do a lot of the con- corner work. Uh, Bernie was going to set plays up, and you uh, were a goal scorer. So it seemed to be a perfect uh, match with you three. Well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I read my hockey card that I had a quick, sh- a heavy and a quick shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, my, you know, I, I was, you know, I love shooting. Uh, you know, I think the compliment was, you know, Bernie, Bernie was the guy, the setup guy. Uh, Brian and I would in the corners, we would you know, battle each other. We always had each other's back. We're we're all Western Canada guys, and uh, in the Western Canada Hockey League, we're all, you know, I don't, I think. That, one of the biggest keys was we weren't intimidated by anybody. You know, we always played against the checkers, but you know, some of these guys, uh, you know, the Broad Street Boys or the Bobby Clarks and all that, great competitors, great, obviously, Hall of Famers, great great players for their team. And you know, but we weren't bothered by their presence. I know there's a lot of people that were intimidated. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were physically a, a dominating team. And yes, there was a little bit of fear, but you, you know, you had a job to do. You're playing for the St. Louis Blues, and we tried to win. But, but I think the chemistry that going out to whoever, whatever team uh, we played, we did our thing. Uh, we, we, you know, uh, and again, to do our thing, it's always nice to know someone has your back. Right. And you know, feeding Bernie, one of the greatest, or probably, well, I think it's still said today, one of the most underrated passers. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in the in the in the in the past game, and they, uh, uh, I really enjoyed playing with them. Uh, those, uh, I guess, was the first two and a half years. Uh, uh, you know, he set me up with a lot of goals, and Brian, you know, and I probably had a lot of garbage goals too. <laughs> right. You know, just grinding and driving for the net, kind of. But we all did that. You know, like I say, Bertie was the setup guy, and Brian and I were were the were the, sort of the grinders of trying to get that get that puck somehow past that goalie. Right, and you guys are really starting to improve every year. You're getting better and better. And the 80-81 season, uh, very memorable. Uh, It was uh, probably, well, certainly one of the most memorable years in St. Louis Blues franchise history. The team just puts it together. Uh, you score 54 goals, becoming, as we noted earlier, the first St. Louis Blues player to reach that mark and uh, 96 points. Now, the interesting thing is, as the season goes along, you're actually, uh, Red Berenson's is on the scene right now. You are paired with Blake Dunlop and Jorgen Pedersen. Um, so a, a, a very unique trio you make now because you were with the uh with Sutter and Inferderco now you're with these two guys you guys really clicked again for a lot of the same reasons Blake Dunlop was was a was a good passer as well can you talk a little bit about switching from the kid line so to speak over to this new line and the incredible 1980-81 blues season yes I think what happened was uh we were playing in Boston and uh, uh we're going into Boston I think we had a record of 10 and 10 and uh, um, and uh, and uh, I, uh, I I believe never winning in Boston. Uh, Red Berenson came to us and said, uh, "You know, going to try something." And we were sort of got one our, our our line. We had one offense, a good offensive line, which is you know with, with Bernie and Brian. And uh, he said, "When do you mind playing with Blake and uh, Jorgens?" think it'll work out and he put I think Blair Chapman over with uh, with Bernie and uh, and Brian and 
so we went to Boston again. I said we never. I don't think we ever won in Boston, but that particular game, I think we beat them five two, and our line got all the goals. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I could you know um, it's been a long time, but mm-hmm. but with that, uh, now we have you know because everybody's watching Brian and Bernie's line, and you know, you know we had some offensive power in our line, and we took advantage. And now we're you know, all of a sudden now we're two uh, offensive line team and. You know, Blaker, like like you were saying, Blake Dunlop was a great passer, and Jorgen was a big Swede. You know, he's a big guy. You know, he, he he didn't play an aggressive game, but what talent did he had? And, uh, you know, I believe he got 30 goals that year. I don't know what Blaker got, but you know, we complimented each other. We, you know, like uh, there's a little different way. I probably did more of the grinding than mm-hmm. than the other guys, but that was something I loved doing, and uh, you know. And I probably scored probably twenty goals on rebounds of Jorgens. Nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I love going to the net and, and uh, but yeah, just just the kind of the threat. You know, we didn't have the number probably the number one checking line all the time on us. They they're on Bernie and Brian and mm-hmm. and Blair, so it turned out fantastic. Uh, yeah, that you know, Brad just knew how to how to get us going. Like he said the right things, you know, whether it was good or bad, but he. He turned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew what uh, what to, what to say and motivate guys. And um, yeah, we had a great season. Unfortunately, you know, we got hurt at the end there. I know we. I think the first round we played Pittsburgh, and they they, they, they took us to the fifth game double overtime. And then the Rangers, the first, we we had a good showing to them all year. I think we beat them like six one or six two the first game, but. The next thing you know, they took over the series, but, but again, we had a lot of guys that were hurt, including myself. And it was just, uh, but playoffs is a different game. You know, pe- you know, teams that didn't have such a good year get a second crack at it. And you know, that East, you know, the East side, you know, the East, uh, you know, the Rangers and the Islanders, they all, they're all, they're always playing a very, very competitive, rough, tough game out there. And, right. For, you know, obviously they got us there, but uh, we had a, uh, you know, we had a great team. It's just too bad that uh, it didn't pan out for us. Just you know, but yeah, that was that was sort of the key. You know, we we, we got into a two line, two offensive line team, and you know everybody did their jobs. But to credit also guys like Larry Payton, and uh, Ralph Class, and then uh, Mike Crombeam and Mike Zook, these guys were the checkers. Uh, they dominated other teams. They shut them down, and everybody had a job. But what, what I also, what really was very positive is the press. They gave them as much press as the as the as me as the fifty goal scorer. They, they oh really? But hmm. it was really. I mean, I mean, I got a lot of press because I scored the goals. But I'm, I'm talking. You know, very rarely you'll hear of a checker getting a lot of. They, they you know. It was great because I mean, it just built them up more, and you know it's it's nice as a checker if you were a checker to get some when you get the press to say nice things about you. It's it's great, you know. It's mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and it was uh, they were shut down. They shut down you know the best lines, and uh, which gave us an opportunity to score you know a few goals, and and uh, yeah, it was just it was a great team effort uh, that year, and and I think Red and Ben and McDowell is like his. You know the way we worked the power, the penalty killers and stuff. It was, it was you know, Mike Lee, and you know he had a great year that year. Yes, and, uh, you know, big man. Uh, yeah, we had 
a great defense. We had, a, you know, we had some rough, tough defensemen, and we had a pretty fair-sized team. And we competed to the end for first overall against the Islanders, and uh, yeah, it was it was good. You know, it was great people on that team too. A good chemistry in the dressing room and stuff. And, it certainly um, was uh, one of my one of my favorite teams watching hockey back then. I think I, I sent away, and I, I still have the they they made a thirty three album of the highlights of the of that of that season, which I which I still have and. As you as you noted, it was a, a special year for the team, special year for you. Uh, again, fifty four goals. Now, what we see now with the, the St. Louis Blues uh, as we tape this, we're in the Stanley Cup Finals. The fan support is unbelievable, and I remember the fans being extremely uh, good and very uh, enthusiastic about the Blues then. What's your memory of the of the Blues fans and the St. Louis community as a hockey player? Well, they, they were fantastic. You know, you, you, uh, you know, being from Canada, uh, you know, you, the knowledge of the of the Canadian to hockey you know, is is pretty, was all it's it's kind of embedded in the blood of, of Canadian mm-hmm. in, in those right. days. But when you come down to St. Louis, what a sports town! Like from their Cardinals, baseball Cardinals, to their football, uh, great sports town. I I know I could go back to my corner little pub. In St. Louis, and probably the same people would be there. You know, they'd know your name, your first. It's it just like almost like Cheers in, in the old show. Cheers, right. like everybody knows your name, and it, it's uh, it's an amazing the feeling that you get when you go back. How how you know how good they make you feel. Uh, you know, obviously you can't win the, all the fans, uh, but uh, you know, majority of them. You know, they they got a great backbone. And like any place, when you're winning. Uh, it's great. You know, what a story St. Louis has, you know, being in reference to the standings in ja- early January, they're the worst uh, hmm. point getters in the league. And, and now they're playing uh, now best of three in the Stanley Cup final here against Boston. So, right. what you know, what you know, you look at their paper, I mean, every team has good players. Like even the Winnipeg Jets, uh, I can, I, I see them, you know, I'm close by there and I see their, their talent and, and you look across the table to the St. Louis Blues, and I was so excited because I, I, I live in Winnipeg now, and, and you know, St. Louis coming in, so I'm probably the only guy in Winnipeg cheering for St. Louis. And <laughs> it was so nice to, to you that I won a whole bunch of lunches and dinners uh, because uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> no one ever expected that. But I'll tell you what, you know, they have a, a you know, they got professionals, they got guys, obviously high caliber players. They don't really have any. Like for a better word, like a, a McDavid, or you know, they got you know they got a couple of great uh, goal scorers there. Like their Jerzyanko, like I, I have a hard time pronouncing. I'm Ukrainian, but you know, that kid can shoot. Mm-hmm. But they, they, you know, they're not uh, the top of you know the top five guys, the top ten guys. But what a team they have! Like I just watched them battle, and their you know their time and space against teams doesn't matter who you are and you know how how they battled every game and, you know, the comebacks they did here in Winnipeg to beat them. And, and they've been doing that all playoffs, all, all season long. Well, not, well, they, after January, all, you know, but the end of the season, they, they got ready for the playoffs and what a competitive team. Like, and I, and even in this Boston series, I think they took Boston by surprise because, you know, Boston has a pretty good depth and, uh, 
they, you know, I think that's why these two teams are in. Their their goaltending has been fantastic, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm proud. I mean, I, I cheer for them. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, like when you if you have to bet your life on it, you know, I see it. You know, man, I think it's it's a tough. You know, Boston side has a great team, and and then you see St. Louis just battling. It's just you know, you're, you're kind of proud that. Should be nice playing with them right now, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, my heart's there. They're definitely, my heart's there. They're not, you know, fans have been waiting a long time for this, and and uh, you never know with the right bounces. Just never know. It's uh, it's a game sometimes of inches, and you know, whether it's penalties or killing penalties, you know, they're special teams and your goaltending. And uh, yeah, you know, like I say, it's a, it's a little bit of a different game now, but uh, it's. Uh, you know, this is where the really, you know, you know, the guys are they go to the end kind of thing. No, you know, you hit the, you hit the hit. You know, oh yeah. During the season, it's a little bit different. Now it's you know, they don't, you know, they're not playing for the money. They're playing for that to, to have that cup, I and mean, it's uh, you can just see it in their eyes how, how they are, how, how both teams are intent. They, you know, they want it, and it's it's great competition. It's, it's it great is to watch. the intensity. I. I can't take my eyes from the game. Uh, I watch it beginning to end. The intensity level is incredible. I do not want to be a defenseman on either team. And that puck gets dumped in, <laughs> and your your back is to the you know to the play. I mean, it's unbelievable. The forechecking, the follow through on the checking, the physicality is is amazing. You know, speaking, you know, we we talked before about uh, some of the. Uh, t- tough guys who played back um, in your era and your career you get a bad break so you're in the preseason you've got a fight with Jimmy Mann you're about to throw a right hand and a, uh, a referee or a linesman steps in and um, that ends up causing a, a permanent shoulder injury can you re- recount that scenario how that all happened well yeah I mean Jimmy you know he does his thing with the Jets and I have to do my thing with the, you know, this, uh, with my team, you know, I, you know, to stick up for my guys and as they would uh, stick up for me. And yeah, we got into an altercation, and uh, I just, you know, this is one player that at that time, uh, I, I just wanted to hurt as he wanted to hurt me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And uh, we dropped the gloves, and I, at the end of the fight, I just wanted to hit him one more time, and. And the referee grabbed my wrist as I was throwing a punch, and that ripped my whole rotator cuff apart. And uh, again, those decisions made at that time were, I think, the doctor Gildon, who who's also the doctor for the Cardinals. Uh, you know, it was discussed, but it was a, a rotator cuff injury is more of a baseball thing, and it you know all my work as a hockey player is kind of underneath, below my shoulder, and where baseball is above the shoulder. So they decide mm-hmm. not to uh, go with surgery. Uh, you know, we rehabbed it. I think the, one of the first games back, I fought uh, uh, um, John Winsink, who I yes, guess is yes. uh, resident. You know, <laughs> he was actually my first fight in the NHL too. Oh, really? Uh, in, in Colorado, our first game back was against Colorado, and uh, sure enough, I fought him and I ripped it again. Uh, oh. I was put in the body, and then after that. Uh, I think Dr. Gill, because of all the scar tissue around my shoulder, they decide to uh, put me under and manipulate their shoulder work by tearing all the muscles again and starting from scratch, getting it like this, that, uh, that scar tissue, get, get it ripped off and start rehab again. And 
and then wear this body harness from your shoulder to your waist and you know strap so you can't lift your arm uh, no matter what above your shoulder so yeah I mean, you know at this level as a 50 goal screen you can't shoot like you you know it's right how was that you talk a little bit about the, the physical impairment that you suffered what was it like psychologically again you're coming off a big season and you're flying you're 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 hitting your peak you're you're a young guy 22 23 years of old how is it we talked about the, some the, the physical pain and discomfort and limitations how is it psychologically pushing through uh, that type of adversity well, I mean, the, probably the biggest thing you have to go through is, you know, your fans, the fans, they only know so much what, what's going on, and it's it's what management at the time would, would put out to the press. Uh, you know, we were, I think it was pretty close, close net at that time of the player's injury. Uh, you know, you can, you can almost tell, like, whether his shoulder's bothering, just by the way you do things, uh, you know, to, the game is so physical, and and you know if you see a guy with this, you know, and, and in that era you try to damage something that's already sore. It's it's like a just like a boxer. If you see you cut him in the right eye, you're gonna go after that right oh, eye. Oh yeah, right. Do you. And the same with hockey. It's like uh, you know, there's no friends out there. Now you know we hear that people go out for beers with their, you know, it's a different kind of game. Barkley player would jump. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe Bobby would back him up, but it was like uh, you know, you just didn't do that. You know, you know, maybe if you had a brother playing the other team, you'd go, you know, mm -hmm. go for a bite to eat after or something. But it was frowned upon to be any kind of friend to the other team. Um, so, you know, it's uh, man, it, the game. You know that and you play for the fan. Like I, I played for the fan. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to. I was a proud St. Louis Blue player. I wanted, you know, I wanted to win for them. You know, they obviously paid my salary. You know, and so and you're playing. They gave me a chance to play in the National Hockey League, and you just want to do everything you can from management, from Emil Francis, and you know, to these guys at the Plaguers. You know, they're. And what they put into the into the franchise, and just wanted to kind of carry that, mm -hmm. carry the note, I guess, for a better word. And, and uh, but when you can't do what you can't do anymore, uh, it, it was it was tough. But you know, uh, they accepted the fact that you know, well, they knew, so they you know, put me in another line, and uh, you know, I, I had to become almost like a checker. Uh, and I guess everybody's kind of hoping that somehow my shoulder get better, but. Even to this day, I can't. I have a hard time sleeping. It's still yeah. You know, so that's tough. I remember as a fan, just you know, knowing obviously you had the injury to some extent, and as a fan, I was always such a uh, a fan of yours. And just saying to myself, well, you know, this will be the year uh, you get back to normal. And well, you end up in Pittsburgh, Wayne, and um, it's an interesting year in Pittsburgh in 84, 85. You do, right. you, you have 54 points in just 65 games. So you're kind of getting, um, you know, back on the board again. And for a good portion of the season, as I recall, um, you are uh, with rookie Mario Lemieux, and I believe Warren Young was with you guys. Right, um, yeah. Talk a little bit about uh, Mario Lemieux as a rookie. What were your impressions of him as a as a young player? Well, I mean, boy, it, you know, it's, uh, 
what a great talent he was. Like he was sort of the savior of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, he, um, you know, you, I think he's an 18 year old kid. You know, I, I think I'm 24. Like, you know, I felt like an old guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I looked at his talent, you know, like boy, uh, from off ice to on ice was, he was an amazing, what he could do on the ice, uh, like, uh, you know, you kind of look at this kid, the tall kid, slim, and you say, holy cow, this, he's going to, like deep down, say, this guy's going to get killed. Mm-hmm. You step, when he steps on the ice, try to knock him down. Like, you know, he was like just the absolute incredible talent. Uh, I wish I was on his left wing because he was a right-handed shot. He, he would pass to me more. <laughs> 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 I was I was picking up the garbage on the right side. Uh, you know, uh, I... You know, it, it was fun. You know, uh, it was fun. You know, Warren was a little aggressive left winger, and he could shoot the puck. And I think more. I think if I'm not mistaken, Warren got about 41 goals or something that year. Mm-hmm. Mario, you know, I think he scored on his first shift. Like he could do it himself. Like he was just an amazing talent. But for being so tall, and you know, his reach, you know, his stick and his reach. Like he was six or seven feet to his right, and within one second he had that stick six, seven on the other side and how can you how can you check that like he, but, the, but the skill level of what he could do at the puck and he had different options of um, you know, whether to shoot to, to deke you know, there's not too many people at that size that could do that it was probably one right. of the first people you know Larry Robinson was the kind of guy like that like a tall guy with skill he didn't look as smooth as Mario but like you know the, the, these guys these bigger guys that to do that where it's like like and, and when you first see it it's kind of shocking wow I can't can't believe you could do that oh yeah and he did it he did it from the first shift on I think he scored in his first shift I think against Boston he yeah he turned uh, of all people Boston, he yeah. turned Ray Bork inside out and and scored so <laughs> that was uh, amazing amazing, amazing and so you end up uh, after a year in, in Pittsburgh you end up with Quebec and you're doing great in Quebec. You're, you know, it's so. I, I was kind of looking at that because I was now in my own life, my own career. I started to work with the Whalers, and so you're in the Adams Division, and you're off to a great start with the Nordiques. But the Whalers now, it's, it's 85, 86, and the team has had a, have been long suffering, and the Cat is there. A lot of ex Blues are there, and all of a sudden during the year, we pick up. Uh, Dave Babich uh, from the Winnipeg Jets, John Anderson from the Quebec Nordiques, um, and then you come into. I believe you were traded for Greg Malone, and you come in, and now you're playing with your brother Dave. Had to be a lifelong dream to be able to play with your brother in the National Hockey League. Well, it was. You know that that was sort of the reason. Um, you know, one of the reasons I got out of St. Louis because I, I wasn't effective anymore in St. Louis. Like, I mean, I I had no shoulder. And it's like, it's, you know, just, uh, I mean, my heart was in St. Louis, but <clears throat> I thought I need a change or maybe they need a change. I kind of, you know, Barkley Clayton wanted me to stay. Uh, he talked to me so many times. And Brian Sutter, my, my teammates. But I, I was I was hoping I'd get something, for, you know, that could take my place, you know, in the long run. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, going to Pittsburgh, being you know Mary's first right winger, and it was fun fun to play with him. It was great, and uh, it was kind of funny that I had to, I fought Jimmy Mann. I was, I was trying to we were playing in a game in Quebec where I think it was Mary's hometown, and I like what I was kind of 
man, I don't want to play in this place wherever we are. I can't remember where it was. And mm-hmm. I thought it was a couple fights. I thought I was going to get kicked out. And um, sure enough, it was. It turned into three fights you had to do this. So I got into the third fight. Oh, Brian. I got kicked out of the game. I think it was three days later, I get a phone call from the Quebec Nordiques. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we just made a trade for you, uh, and uh, I said, <laughs> okay. Mm. And next thing you know, I'm in Quebec, and I'm sitting next to Jimmy Mann, <laughs> my oh, buddy. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I was playing with Michelle Goulet and Dale Hunter, and uh, what a team that was. Like, like, we had the Stasnies and all that. Well, we were in first place for while I was there, I know. Um, you know, great coach, uh, the Tiger. Uh, it was it was a great it was a great place to play. One of my favorites. It was it was. You know, the team, you know, that type of team, uh, you know, like I said, Michelle Goulet and Dale Hutcher were, were always entertaining. And with, along with the Stasnies, you know, we had some, our, our slot, our backgrounds were kind of similar. Uh, I mean, I never, I never had to leave my home country to play, uh, you know, play the National Hockey League, like their story is. But it was just, it was a great mixture of, of a group of guys and uh, a lot of talent and obviously, they finished. I think. I think they did finish first overall. But then, I remember breaking my hand in uh, in the Quebec, and uh, so we were playing back to back to Hartford. And I remember that afternoon. I just got back from shopping. I went and saw the doctor. Got a cast put on my hand, and I, I remember getting uh, uh, the general manager of the Quebec Leafs calls me at home, and he's. I thought he was calling me just just to see. Uh, how he's doing. He says, he says, wait, I think you're going to be pretty happy. I says, you're going to be playing with your brother. So I said, you know, and that's probably all we were missing in Quebec was a, a, a defenseman like Dave. So we just moved you to uh, Hartford. You're going to be playing with your brother there. <laughs> so, you know, okay. <laughs> that was a, about your, like, inside me, I was thinking that he just wanted me to see how my hand was. Oh, you're all right. Exactly. A um, couple of minutes later, I get a call from Emil Francis. And I said, Emil, uh, like, uh, I said, you know, we talked, and I mean, he was my general manager in St. Louis, and he said, we're excited to have you. Uh, he says, can you get on a plane and make tonight's game? I said, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> this is like in the afternoon, this is about one o'clock, and I, I said, Emil, you know I got a broken hand, don't you? He says, no, don't worry about what he'll cut it off and he'll tape you. <laughs> and that was the way it was in St. Louis. So uh, I couldn't get a flight get there in time he said okay we'll we'll, uh, we'll just see you tomorrow because we're playing in Quebec we're playing in Quebec the next day and so I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken then I meet the team and it's one of those old trades in those olden days you know they wanted to save travel so you usually get traded with the teams that you're in your building so all you have to do is walk across the rink right so I say goodbye to my guys and uh, and I go to the other side and I, I'm pretty sure we beat Quebec that night my, I think my brother scored, set me up with. I got. I think I got a goal and assist, or a goal and a couple assists. You know, way sure enough, took my cast off, take me up, and out I went. And I'm pretty sure I scored a goal that game. My brother set me up for that goal. Mm-hmm. I think there's a picture of us on that. But yeah, it was the, You know, it turned out. Well, I think we were in last place at that time, and then we won all those games at the end of the season. We got. We got into the playoffs, and they, well, obviously we played Quebec the first round. I, and if I'm not mistaken, we took them out four straight, and then we had to play the Montreal Canadiens, and that's where we I think we lost in double overtime in the seventh game. And I mean, that was uh, our team in Hartford, but they you know, that was a 
that was a real good team. Yeah, it was. A lot of young players. It's a good situation for you because not only are you with your brother and Dave's playing great, you made a big difference in that team, but uh, a lot of young players, Ron Francis, Kevin Dineno, Samuelson, on and on, uh, Stewie Gavin, Dean Everson, and a lot of your ex-Blue teammates uh, like uh, Michael right. Ute and I think Bob Crawford was there at the time. And yep. um, so it was a nice situation for you, but also, you know, it was a nice situation for Hartford. You know, a lot of fans, it's been a long time since the Whalers left, but the Hartford community really, really had a strong bond with that team. I think it was an underrated city as far as the, the fan support is concerned. And what are your memories of, of, of playing, in general, of playing uh, as a Hartford Whaler? Well, you know, going there, like, didn't know what to expect. The, the biggest, uh, you know, obviously, like you said earlier, the biggest thrill was to play with my brother. Um, you know, uh, the welcoming with Emil Francis there and, you know, you know, Jack Evans or Robert, like all these guys that I, I knew from before, it was, it was very, uh, you know, felt, felt very welcome. The, the fans, you know, obviously it was a new city. Uh, it's a different kind of city. Uh, you know, like to get to know what, you know, I think, we, well, I lived in Glastonbury, uh, yeah, Glastonbury, yeah, that's where, mm-hmm. uh, and just that, you know, where everybody went, it was just, uh, everybody felt, made you feel so comfortable. You know, it was, I think it was the first time I ever took a charter plane was when I started playing for the, you know, Hartford Wow, <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, knowing the guys and, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I think Ray Ferraro was my first sentiment there uh, when I started playing. Isn't he in the perfect element, eh? Uh, like, he always never had he's never lost the words and I was one of the better <laughs> broadcasters in, in hockey. He probably do very well in baseball too, where you have to you uh, have a lot of uh, I was always I was always as a PR guy, I was always so thankful for Ray Ferraro because if we you know had were you know, lost a game or you know, nobody wanted to talk, I could always count on on Ray filling up a uh, reporter's notepad. So your career so we, we 85, 86, we, we've talked about it. it was a great year for the Whalers. 86, 87 is looking even better. And for yourself, you'd be able to just start the season with the Whalers and have a full season. It's looking very optimistic. However, um, you're on the receiving end of a very unfortunate incident with Ken McRae, the Quebec Nordiques, and uh, suffer a, a gruesome injury. So if you take, can you take us back and uh, recall the circumstances of that injury, which essentially ended your career? Yeah, I, I, well, you know, it was nice to play against my old teammates, you know, just, uh, just to see them. Uh, I think I was playing with Ray and Tori Robinson. Um, you know, Tori, Tori liked to play aggressive games, so did I. I think we were, you know, with Ken McRae and that, I think we were playing on their against their aggressive line, and anyway, I took this. Uh, I, I think I well, I, I know I hit him pretty good at center ice uh, along the boards, and then I went back as I was going back into the zone because the puck was dumped in, mm-hmm. and I was peeling off my boards uh, to give an out in the top, you know, the top, top slot in our own end. I guess you know, he came from behind and two-handed me from uh, my right side. Uh, at the baseball get, bat, I guess. Well, very similar to that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I had, I had nothing. I, I went down. I, I you know, 
and obviously it started a huge brawl and uh, you know I was you know would he come out and told me so make sure you get me up as fast as you can so if anybody's attacking me <laughs> oh, yeah, right. at least get one thing out of it but you know, it was uh, yeah it was about a, I, I, you know I just wish that we could have settled that a different way instead of you know doing something like that like you know a slash like that to me um, you know it's uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's sad, you know, that, you know, I was, you know, there, we're looking at maybe possibly a new contract for a couple more years. And, uh, you know, that's what I was hoping for too. And, and, um, you know, to get the chance to play with my brother and, and the success we had the previous year, you know, it was a great group of guys. Um, uh, and then this happened, uh, you know, it was terrible. You know, I remember Abel Francis coming into the dressing room. Well, this was a Wednesday, I believe, we were playing Quebec, and then Friday mm-hmm. we were playing Washington, and that's they were hoping that something would tighten up in the knee, and when the doctors came in, uh, they looked at it, and they said no, and then Abel comes with tears in his eyes saying, I'd probably, ne- probably never be able to use my right leg again. And, Holy cow, look, wow. said, uh, that's not going to happen. I'll, I'll come back. And So they found I think a doctor out of New York uh, asked if he could do a procedure that, you know it's brand new you can go to try it and I, everybody agreed to having them try it and, uh, and you know to this day I'm still walking I mean I, my doctors that, uh, that looked at this knee the way it is now they're shocked that I'm still walking at it but you know I did you know I, I trained hard all season I came back and played the last four games of the season uh, obviously with no feeling in my knee um, hmm. but uh you know, I you know I I played. You know, I I'm, I wish I would have played five because I would have gotten a pension. Oh wow! <laughs> there's a, well, there's another little pension thing that the players get when they're 65, uh, a chunk of money, and uh, it was like 250,000. It's a league thing. Wow! Uh, you got to play over 400 games. There's like three criteria things that uh, I think it was like you had to play over 400 games, which I got. Uh, you had to play a total of 80 games in those two years. And which I got, but a minimum of five games in each one of those years, and and that's when I came back and played the last four games. Oh <laughs> so wow! So we knew it was five. I didn't know that. Interesting. Some, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of a tough one to take, but uh, but anyway, yeah. And then I uh, came back to training camp. I thought it was in the best shape I ever had, but I still didn't have any feeling in my right knee. And and I remember going on the ice and we played back to back. I think it was at home against Pittsburgh, and then in Jersey the next day. I think it was a Saturday, Sunday, and Monday at the morning skate. Uh, I had no feeling in my... I, mean, I couldn't even feel it. I, That's scary. So I skated, I skated to my brother. I said, Dave, I... And the doctor warned me, too. He said, you got another boy like that, you might... He probably won't be able to have the use of that leg. And what I... You know, I mean, that was kind of in the back of my mind, but it wasn't. I wanted to play. Uh, and I went to my brother. I said, Dave, I can't play anymore. This is... I can't feel so and then I skated off the ice and then everything else is history <laughs> right absolutely um, and I just had a, a, a couple of real quick questions for you you've been very generous with your time today Wayne on your birthday but um, I what is that adjustment like? Again, your career ended in a um, non-traditional way. You didn't get a chance to, I don't, I don't know for lack of a better term, you didn't get a chance to fade out. You get a chance to, um, you know, work through any anything. You 
were the victim of a of a on ice assault essentially and now you're injured what is it like in 87 88 89 in your first years outside the game of hockey which you've done at a high level now it, you're away from it um, psychologically what what type of adjustment is that for you well I mean it was tough I mean I, I, I mean I never felt better you know just going the way I did but the thing the thing I didn't mind is I, I you know and everybody has their own opinion but you know I I'm glad I I got hurt to go out <laughs> Because I don't think I could have handled the young kid taking my spot. You know, right, interesting. Getting beat out by, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you know, as you get older, you, you know, things happen, and, and it just, uh, you know, you you live by the sword, die by the sword, kind of thing. And you know, I know I've hurt some people in my, my hits over the course of years, and you know, I've never done anything dirty, but uh, you know, like I, I think one goes back to. I was playing a game against uh, Philadelphia and Joe Watson, him and I both collided just before the end boards. And I mm-hmm. think he broke his leg in how many places. And, oh yeah. Uh, I think it, you know, it was, it was just, it was an honest, honest uh, body contact for both of us. We're both trying to knock each other off, off, off stride. And, you know, like, you know, like that, you know, I don't, you know, he was a great player. I mean, I used to watch him, uh, as a young younger guy, he's a little bit older than me, but you know the competition. You know, I, I that's sort of the what my guide was to to get out. You know, how I, to getting out of mentally getting out of the game. That, you mm-hmm. know, where I got hurt. You know, and I, I like I say, I, in the back of my mind, I, I would I would probably died for some young kid to take my job. You know, yeah, uh, that way. I wasn't going to go out without a fight, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's. Uh, it's it's sort of what's guided me to uh, you know you know made it easier like, sure like the biggest thing you missed the guys and and all that you know hockey was something you did together you trained for but it, it just that dress room you know just how everybody was is like a family and it was yes uh, you know Dave kept me in the game because he played another ten years after I think from, well more than that uh, so. I always, you know, talk to the guys that I played with, you know, through his dressing room kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, as he played along, and so that wasn't, you know, too bad. But I would have loved to still be playing, and um, you know, I mean, I, lo- I love the game, right? like, but I, I've, I've given probably about twenty broken bones to the game. Well, I was gonna say, <laughs> just in our conversation alone, I can count five or six. I think one time, I, I think one time, I, I, there, there was a story about you. You had a Somebody broke your cheekbone, and and you guys had a fight, and then you broke your nose. Like you had a broken cheekbone and a broken nose, all within. Uh, the well, I same. was kind of. I, I was a really smart Ukrainian hockey player. I would take my helmet off because you know, it was very rare that you know in that day and age, you know, there's some guys that still didn't wear helmets, or else you have to sign your life away. I would, you know, if I had a shield on, I would take my helmet off so it'd make a fair fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I, I don't think that was the smartest thing to do. You know, I fought. I fought the, some of the toughest guys. I, I, I mean, I remember. Uh, I think it was Ben Wilson that. Oh boy! I, it was the first time I ever. He was mean. Got punched. Yeah, well, he's a, a probably the toughest guy. Uh, you know, the, the meanest. I fought him. I was kind of surprised. I was watching the tape uh, where I started swinging first, uh, uh, and 
I remember probably after my sixth punch or so, if I was counting correctly, he hit me once and I have no idea where it was. But the funny <laughs> thing was, is that I, I watched this tape on YouTube uh, and like I said, I didn't know where I was. I, I was still swinging. <laughs> I was kind of laughing. I said, I have no idea what I was doing because I don't remember it. <laughs> he, well, I, I, that, uh, that, that young guy, uh, well, he was a, a great fighter. Like he was you know, probably the best, I think, uh, people would would say in that, or the, you know, you know, you know, you can't say anything bad about him. All <laughs> oh, right. So you fought some tough guys. You, so you, we, was, we talked uh, about Wensink, Mann, Ben Wilson. Um, uh, who else, when you think back at it, who, 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 oh, uh, who's, who's, who's the toughest guy outside of that that you fought? Well, I imagine everybody's good. Yeah, they're tough. No way. I'm, you know, let me see. Well, Jim, man, I'm just... Um, well, I, I rubbed elbows with Tom Kite, but uh, that was a funny fight. Um, Mario Marawa, uh, I think George McPhee. Um, uh, what's uh, Atlanta? Uh, oh, Kenny Houston. Um, oh boy, uh, you know Maxwell. Um, I. I I'm just trying to remember all these guys. We have a couple of Toronto Maple Leafs. Tiger Williams quite a few times. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and we were good friends now. I, you know, what a competitor. I, <laughs> there's a few, because I remember him hitting me in my first time in Madison Square. I mean, not Madison Square. First time in Maple Leaf Gardens. And mm-hmm. He cross-checked me from behind, kind of, and he uh, stood my whole wide, my whole eyebrow wide open. I had to, old doctor from the Maple Leafs stitched me up in black Baylor twine. Oh. And, and he, I remember him telling me, he says, oh, you only need one stitch, so we won't freeze you. And after one stitch, okay, how about eight more? Oh, <laughs> and after that, I just did, uh, I wanted to get him back. So fun, Tiger, Pat Bichette, uh, boy, I, I'm just, boy, you're making me, uh, I've had three concussions, I found out. I didn't know that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to remember all these names, but no, it I seems s- like I always had to fight the toughest guys on the team. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but, right, well... Uh, I mean, it's, it's about it. I'm sorry? No, it says a lot about you, because obviously you were, your primary role was scoring, but I think what I always... Uh, respected about you is also that you would stick up for your teammates and you weren't picking your spot. You fought, as you noted, some of the toughest guys of that era. Um, uh, and Wayne, when we, we talked earlier before about uh, retirement and um, you've been involved in a lot of different charity, event, I mean, a lot of different charity works yourself and Dave. Uh, most recently I noticed in Winnipeg, uh, the hockey, I think it's called Hockey for the Homeless, and I was yeah. wondering if you would talk a little bit about that and what the mission is there and what's your involvement. Well, uh, Dave's uh, Dave's been involved with uh, with this group for uh, a couple of years. I think it's five or six years out in Vancouver. Uh, it's an organization out of Toronto. It's been uh, you know they spearheaded with Ryan, but they spearheaded this thing across the country, just to the NHL cities. And there's a great need there, you know, that, and, that we recognize, uh, and, and to be part of it, and for them to ask us to uh, to be a part of it here in Winnipeg. Also, I know Dave's a part of it also in Vancouver. 
uh, we've helped out a couple other cities. We've gone to uh, Edmonton to play there mm-hmm. in support of this. Um, but you know, like, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, as a hockey player, I mean, unless you've had something happen to your family that you help out, whether it's a cancer or a, uh, accident, you know, the, the drunk and driving people or, you know, like, or drug, uh, something happening, you know, where someone passed on because of drug use or, so you get involved in something that hits home co- close to you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the athletes, you know, that, and I'm going to say 98%, 99% of all hockey players have a big heart. Uh, and, you know, they'll give back to whatever they can. Um, and, you know, you, know, you go, to, you see on the streets, and I don't know what it's like over there, but you'll see these people holding up little signs at, at traffic lights asking for money or pennies or something, and mm-hmm. and you see the same person sleeping on the side of the building. And, you know, how do you go up to them and, and get, you know, there's, the avenues are are tough, you know, whether it's safe for you to, to go up to them. You know, they, they, you know they're, they're probably protecting themselves with their lives, and you said, no, so this is an avenue where you go through the right process where they can find a place to stay uh, at night and, and eat and, and get, give them the opportunities for education to get back into you know, whether it's the workforce or whatever it, whatever they need uh, help in. And, and mm-hmm. you know, as an avenue of hockey, you know, you, we know hockey and we know a lot of people uh, through hockey that uh, are, are all have all big hearts and, and uh, and, and this homeless thing as well, you know, there's good people uh, in in the background that you know spearhead this and have the avenues to you know for business, you know, like to, right. to do this thing and for us to take part. And it's it's great. It gives us an avenue to to find that way to help that person that lays beside a building or in a on a park bench or something that to get them out of that uh, probably a dangerous atmosphere and to and give them you know how many people go through. A, they're on that fine line of some bad things happening to them, you know. Yes. Where just someone helped you at the right time or gave you a job or something that, you know, what would happen if, you know, even in the NHL, like these players, it's hit home with this Joe Murphy, like, uh, right. you know, he's out, you know, out in the Lake of the Woods, not too far from, from Winnipeg, uh, in the Ontario-Manitoba border, he's out there, you know, and sometimes you're just too proud to ask for help, you know, it's the, uh, and just to just to be able to have an avenue to do that, and from the other chairs, you know, Dave and I were uh, were grateful that someone asked us to go help the kids up in the Ukraine, where our backgrounds are. You're you're, you're, you're we're Ukrainian, and mm-hmm. our, our families came from uh, the from the Ukraine, and we went back there and blasted a little bit of hockey camp, and we got to see where our grandfathers came from wow. to, to come to Canada. And we're donating equipment to the NHLPA and all that to, to give to the kids because they don't have anything. They, like nothing against the, the foreign countries. Like you know, Russia was building all their rinks in Russia. Like uh, in and where the Ukraine, the as a communist country, they're using Ukraine as factories to build things. And, and the, there's and kind of probably just like Hartford. Uh, Winnipeg is a sister city of Miav over there, and it's about a million people. Mm-hmm. They have one hockey rink in the area. Wow! And it's, and these kids are good hockey players. I mean, there's there's so many kids that can't play hockey because they don't have the equipment. Uh, so that's what we're trying to help out there. We're also Dave and I go up to the Arctic and we do camps in the 
remote areas where these kids don't have everything and we're, you know, you know, whatever we could give, we, we try to give it. It's, it's a great satisfaction. A lot of, there's a lot of open, you know, people have big hearts and, and I'm sure you do too, but if you do anything you can to help, uh, you're spreading the word for people to remember me. So God mm-hmm. bless you. No, absolutely. No, like I said, you, uh, you and Dave are a real credit, to, uh, real credit to the game and giving back to society as a whole, which makes the fact that you are uh, an NHL player uh, even that much more meaningful because you can utilize that uh, that achievement and that fame that it brought you to uh, help move the world along in, in a better way. So that's very, very commendable. And uh, also commendable is the fact you, you went some overtime with us today, which I greatly appreciate. And we hope uh, we'll see you back in Hartford uh, sometime soon and uh, you know, give you best to uh, number 44. And uh, uh, Wayne, thanks so much again for the time. Really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, we'll see you this summer. You bet. Take care, buddy. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast, the voice of hockey legends. Just a reminder to please consider giving the show a rating and or review on Apple Podcasts. The link is in the show notes. These ratings and reviews help us become a lot more visible and make the show more accessible to hockey fans everywhere. I personally read all the reviews and greatly appreciate them all. If you have thoughts or suggestions for the show, you can talk to, contact us through our website at ProHockeyAlumni.org or be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at ProHockeyAlumni. Thanks for listening.